The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM. Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind, I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff, I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff, talk Memphis, oh yeah. Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money, when we're talking always about things that you are interested in, things financial. Today's program, one of the most important questions, or often asked questions that we get pertaining to this program is, what is investing? You would think everybody knows the subject, but the reality is it's talked about often and not very much understood. You kind of get sidetracked and you kind of think you know. Well, we've got some people today, our guests today, Michael Powell and Scott Jordan, are going to answer the question and add to the program by discussing common questions that you have about the market and why it works the way it does. You've asked and we're here to answer you don't want to miss the program. It's all about asking questions, answering questions that you have asked. From our Did You Know files, according to research by Bloomberg Barclays, the total return of stocks and the total return of bonds have not been negative in the same year at the same time over the last 40 years. That's kind of important to think about, especially with what these guys are going to be talking about today. The Census Bureau has a new statistic that you might find interesting. As of the end of 2017, there are more millennials, 83 million in the United States, than there are baby boomers. Millennials are born between 1981 and 1997, and their age is 20 to 36. And, of course, the baby boomers, 46 to 64, and their age is 53 to 71. Gallup Research has stated recently that 46% of Americans have no money invested in stocks today, either through the ownership of an individual stock, equity mutual funds, or through holdings inside of a pre-tax, pre-tax retirement plan. Transamerica, the center, their Center for Retirement Studies, has stated recently that 71% of American workers have access to an employee-funded defined contribution plan and they're not using it. That's a kind of a big issue. They have access, but the other statistic says 46% not doing anything in the market. Well, that's why we're talking about what is investments. Coming up, Michael Powell, Scott Jordan, what is an investment plan, and can you make it simple and understandable? Is it possible for you to walk out of this program and say, hey, I get it. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Scott and Michael coming up. Scott Jordan and Michael Powell, you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Hi, this is George Bryant, General Manager of The Voice FM 107.9 and AM 990 with a special announcement. If you're an expert in your field, if you represent an organization, if you think you can help Memphis become a better place by sharing your life experience on family, environment, health, 
relationships, government, home improvement, raising pets, whatever your passion is, give me a call. If you've ever wanted to have your own radio show or podcast, now is the time. We have immediate openings, so call me today. You can be the host of your own show, a show that you own. Talk to Memphis on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My number is 901-261-4200, extension 228. That's 261-4200, extension 228. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome to today's program. My guests, Scott Jordan and Michael Powell. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of the today's program. Welcome to Talk Money. Thanks to be here, Jim. Okay, come back with me one more time, Michael. Thanks for having us. Let's start that over again. Sorry. All right, that's okay. Ready? He had turned it down and forgot to turn it back up. All right. Well, welcome back to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Michael Powell and Scott Jordan. The subject today is what investing is and why it's actually quite simple. Welcome to the program, guys. It's good to be back. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here, Jim. You know, guys, this is a topic that we get asked a lot. Just, you know, what is investing? Well, and everybody says, you know, I know that. But investing occurs when you put your money to work. Now, help me with that, Scott. Start with you. What does it mean to work? What is that when you say, I've got my money working for me? Well, I mean, just in simple terms, we're we're trying to multiply assets for a future use, right? So whatever that goal is we're trying to accomplish, could be buying a vacation home in Florida, educating our kids, saving for retirement. We're investing for a purpose, and that purpose is to accomplish a goal. So we're trying to multiply those assets for a future use. Okay. Michael, what would you say, putting your money to work? I would say it's really um, putting something down today, hoping that it's going to be a lot worth a lot more in the future, uh, using it to your advantage. I mean, a lot of times we look at it from we live off uh, what we have today, but later on in life, Things are going to cost more and more, so we have to put our money to work in order to live off that lifestyle later on. That makes sense. So I'm taking a modest level of risk because I'm putting it to work. I'm not going to be holding it into a checking account. I didn't bury it in the backyard. But if I'm going to take some risk with it, I should expect some kind of return over time. So that's what you're telling us, that you, whether it's a saving for a home, a second home, or whether it's saving for retirement, whatever you're doing. So many people think about when we say investing, well, that's only for retirement. That's really not the case. I mean, there's more to investing than just for retirement. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know Mike made a good point that uh, – you know, we have to plan for, in an inflationary economy, we have to put our money to work just to be able to buy the same goods and services today in the future because prices are going up due to inflation. So putting that money to work is critical, whatever the goal you're saving for. So let's talk about this. Do I have to always, if I'm going to put my money at work, now we talked about this modest, modest level of risk with a reasonable return, okay, so is that is that having to be speculative? Is that Michael? Is that having to take some type of speculative risk with my investment? No, not necessarily. Uh, speculation that's really that involves a higher level of risk. Honestly, with with what you're looking at, it takes a lot of uh, different factors in order to uh, figure out what really that is. But really, 
Um, it's putting your money to work with moderate level compared to speculation, meaning that I'm hoping I'm going to get a great reward immediately or pretty soon. Okay. When we think about what we're looking at, let's make sure that we understand if I'm going to take the idea of risk, a certain amount of risk, if I'm speculating, am I doing that short term or am I speculating over the long term? Speculating, you know, really is more of a short term deal. We're trying to get a really high rate of return in a very short period of time. Is that is that day trading? It could be day trading. It could be investing in a in a high risk type investment. Uh, maybe it's port bellies, port belly uh, futures, know, futures uh, or something. commodity futures. Possibly, you know. Okay. So is so when I say the word investing, what is investing? All that we've talked about so far would fall under that definition. That could be investing. Sure. So there's not this idea that, you know, some people say, is it gambling, Michael? Is it gambling? I mean, am I taking this risk out here? And am I could I could I say investing is going to tunica? Is that the same thing? I would hope not. No, <laughs> no, I, I don't think it is the same as gambling because in gambling. You're taking an attempt to get a profit from an outcome of some sort of contest or game when, you know, the the effect of that chance is really immediate. When you're talking about investing or just gambling in general, there's a possibility for an unusually large return. When we're talking about investing, usually it's a moderate return over a longer period of time. So it's a little bit different there. So, so when you say it's not uh, the one-armed bandit where you're sticking quarters in and you're pulling it in so you get that – you know, a sum of money that comes in and it's for a brief period, you did it for, you know, I've seen some people that seem like they're doing it all day long. You know, you, yeah. you go to breakfast and they're there, they're pulling that and you come back to go to dinner and they're still there. I don't know if they were there all day, but you're talking about investing, as you said, is taking a a reasonable amount of time, putting your money to work that's taking a reasonable amount of risk with your money. So it's not gambling, Make sure you take that off the table. So investing, let's see if we can say this then. I'm taking a moderate level of risk with my money, putting it to work for me, and then I am expecting a moderate level of return for taking a moderate level of risk. It's not speculation, as you said, you know, from that standpoint, uh, Scott. But the reality is it is saying, and it's not gambling, Michael, as you said. Right. But it is putting your money to work. It's not you holding it in the backyard, in a tin can, doing nothing. You've actually pushed it out and said, make money for me, money. You're telling it to go out and do something. Is that what we're taught investing? Yeah, yes. I, I think so. And I, I think another important distinction, you know, when you talk about gambling, because some people like to make that comparison, when we're, when we're investing, we're usually putting money to work in some sort of commercial endeavor. We're trying to make something happen, whereas gambling – the only purpose is to try to make money, really, off of some sort of contest or a game. There's no other purpose for that activity other than that that money, as and that's a important distinction, I think, as well. All right, when we when I, I want to ask you a question about owning and lending, because I know that's a big issue. If you just tuned in, my guest today, Michael Powell, Scott Jordan, we're talking about why or what is investing or what investing is is kind of trying to describe that and what it's not, and then why it's simple. And so many times we get this conversation going on and people get concerned because sometimes they don't understand it. You've asked us the question. These guys are here going through some real simple ideas of how to make it very easy to understand and how you work with it. Investing is simple because you really only have two basic choices. As I Mm -hmm. mentioned, lending or, you know, owning. 
So, Michael, help me with this. Tell me the difference. What is the what are the investments when you become a lender? Well, when I'm a lender, it's definitely more lower risk than it would be if I'm owning something. Because when I lend something, it's really I'm locking into something. I'm I'm giving my money to someone else to do the work for me. They're putting that money out. They're raising capital. I give my money to a bank. I give it to a corporation. I give it to a local government or the U.S. government. And they're putting that money to work, and they're going to pay me back over a certain period of time. Therefore, I have a little bit less less risk on the table. Are you saying then a lending the money is a bond? Pretty yes, Pretty it's, a, it's an IOU. An IOU bond okay. IOU. You could say the same thing. Okay, those, so I loan money. It's it's a, you're saying it's lower risk than than owning. Yes. Okay. From that standpoint, now let me make sure that you said bonds or you or or, or lending this is banks. Or, or local state governments and large corporations, insurance companies, anything like that. What's your risk there? What's the biggest problem? I mean, if you loan the money, is it just you're going to get it paid back? Not necessarily. It depends on the financial strength of that borrower. So if I lend my money to you, it's a whole lot different if I lend my money to a large corporation because they have a lot more assets. What are you trying for- to say? <laughs> <laughs> Is there, is there an issue here that I just <laughs> no, I get it? I get it. <laughs> you if see you what loan I'm it to me, you're right. The risk is Jim may not have the financial stability to do that, but if you loan it to a AAA corporation like somebody, you know, anybody we can think of, a big, big company, they don't just loan money. They're, they're loaning money to do something, but they've got their credit worthiness backing them. Right. That makes sense. It's all about who. I mean, it's all about perception sometimes. And so, so the key is. So, Scott, when when if I'm going to be making an investment, do I need to think that I start with that lending mindset, or do I need to jump over lending and sh- go straight to stocks? Well, I, I think that really depends, Jim. Uh, you know what? It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. What's your time horizon? What is your capacity, and also your tolerance for risk. You know, Michael mentioned bonds are a little lower risk or loaning money is a little lower risk, whereas owning something or investing in equities or stocks, it's a little higher risk, but the potential long-term returns are, are greater are when greater. you invest in, in an equity type So the risk so. by loaning money is, is what? What's that risk? If I, I mean, Michael said maybe it's the credit, wor- credit worthiness. What are other risks? Well, there's also interest rate risk because, you know, those, those loan-type instruments, bonds, they move inversely with interest rates. So if you've invested in a lower interest rate bond and we have a spike in interest rates, there's a chance that they might lose value there as well. All right. Now, when you talk about losing value, is I mean, if I'm getting a 5% payment from a bond and interest rates go up, what do you mean that I've got that that's interest rate risk? Okay. Hold, so if you're, if you're on an individual bond, so if you hold that bond to maturity and you're going to continue to get that 5% payout, then there's not as much risk there, right? The, so holding it to maturity. Holding it to maturity. 10-year bond. Ten year bond I'm going to hold it 10 years sure and get my really money we're back. Talking, remember, these questions that people have asked. Right. Is, what is investing? And you're using terms I know, that I know. they don't always follow. Right. So maturity so is 10 is, years, Is holding the years. bond until it matures, and that company pays you back your initial principal investment. Gotcha. So holding it to maturity, you're getting your five percent. No real risk there. The the coupon rate's not going to change. The, coupon the risk. Rate. What do you mean by well, coupon? Well, that's rate? that five percent interest payment right. they're paying okay. you. That's so a- you've loaned their money. They agree to pay you a certain amount of interest every year. So you're getting that payment from them. And that's called a coupon payment. So holding it to maturity again, no interest rate risk. The risk is if you need to sell that bond because you need your money. 
So you have to go out into the marketplace and sell that bond, and you have a 5% bond. Now there's bonds out there paying 7 8%. Well, now somebody's going to pay you less for your 5% bond because they can go out and get one paying 7 or 8%. So they're trying to equal that bond. They're trying to based equal on that the, out. The hundred thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, whatever it is, yep. paying seven. If you've got a ten thousand paying five, they're trying to say, "Well, I'll buy it, but you got to reduce your price in order to get the same value of my return." Absolutely. Uh, so that's a risk. That is a, a, real risk. a real fundamental risk that people, if they're buying individual bonds, so that's what we're talking about. So now that's the lending side of this whole scenario. The part being. Very critical. If I'm going to try to take modest risk or just lower my risk, and I'm making a bond part of my portfolio, I need to be sensitive to interest rate risk. That's number one. And then, as Michael said, Michael, you're talking about credit worthiness. Yes. Talk about that one more time because, again, is it just size that dictates credit worthiness, or what is it that dictates? The credit worthiness of a company. Well, whenever or a government, whenever you're lending money to one of these institutions, you need to look at what the credit agencies rank them because you have investment grade type uh, bonds or different type of lending strategies there, and you also have the the lower end of those, also called junk bonds. If you want to give it a real term, great term. I yes, know. it doesn't you know, sound attractive. I have a junk bond, high yield, maybe high, high <laughs> yield bond. So, what does that mean? Junk bond, high yield bond. What does that mean? Basically, means that the credit worthiness is not as strong as what an investment-grade bond would be, but I'm taking more risk, therefore I may get more reward from that certain... All right, let me see if I can understand what you're talking about, because I think the key is if if I have got credit risk-oriented, in other words, I am not as good credit worthiness as somebody else, in order to get you to, to borrow money from me, I've got to pay you a higher rate of return because you're taking a greater risk because I might not pay you back. Exactly. It's just like if Jim Shoemaker says, hey, I'm going to give you 4% if I lend you your money. And I got the government saying the same thing. The U.S. government, which is one of the strongest places you can put I like being the, compared. That's the money there, <laughs> and they're paying me 4%, I'm going to go ahead and lean towards the government because I know their credit worthiness is automatic, oh, okay. and it doesn't so incentivize me to, give you to five? lend. Would you, would you let would you, six? Yeah. Go on seven. Seven. I would say seven would be... I would look into it a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Jim. (laughs) Hey, I was viable at seven, you know. But the point is people have to take that into consideration. All right, guys, I I think we want to – let me say – let's move now real quickly to thinking about the idea behind investing in something where you become an owner. We've talked about being the lender. Talk about quickly, Scott, the loaner or the owner. What is that? Owner, you know, common ownership type investments are stocks, uh, maybe real estate, precious metals, collectibles. And in that, you're buying a, a, in most cases, a tiny slice of ownership in a big operation. And the risk there is that the value when you go to sell it may be lower than what you paid for it. The reward is hopefully that it increases in value. And and the problem you're saying is that's the risk that you have to know if you're buying something that you own. You're not loaning it money. It's not about its credit worthiness here. It is something you own. Stock, you talk about stock, precious metals, gold, real estate, anything like that. Owning it, it may not be the same value. Well, guys, when we come back, I want to know more about that because I think people need to understand that owning 
is uh, not just buying stocks. It is other things, but owning does take a little bit more risk, and you need to know what you're buying. I want to make sure we could include that. We're talking with Scott Jordan and Michael Powell. What investing is, and it's and it's not, and why it's actually quite simple. And you have to know a little bit about it. You're listening, of course, to FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice, talk radio for Memphis and the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right. But don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. As Internet technology advances, so does the threat of cybercrime. In times like these, we must protect ourselves from cybercrime. Antivirus software, firewalls, and security patches are just the beginning. Never open suspicious emails and only navigate to trusted sites. Protect your child by installing parental control software and monitoring their computer use. To learn more about cybercrime, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Of course, you know, I'm talking with two guys that are experts at this, Michael Powell of Shoemaker Financial and Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about... What investing is and is not, and why is it simple? You know, that's a question that everybody says. Well, I know the answer to that, but it's amazing. When you start asking questions to them, we begin to see how that can become so easy to get a little confused about what is investing and what is it not. And that's kind of kind of, so we've kind of asked these guys to help with that because we get this question a lot. If you do have a question for us, just simply go to Talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Type in the question, tell it to us, and we'll be glad to see if we can get it on the air. And that's what we're doing today, answering the questions that you come back with us and saying, I want to understand investing better. Would you help me do that? Well, we felt like that was a big enough question for a lot of people, so that's what we're doing. Here's the idea. You can either be a lender. That's what we talked about earlier. They talked about creditworthiness. They talked about interest rate risk. Or you can be an owner, which is buying something, being a part, whether you buy, and as Scott said, a slither of something. The bottom line is you're buying a part of something big. Or you may have bought the whole thing. Maybe, as the old saying said, I bought the whole farm. Well, okay, that's a good idea. If you're buying a piece of real estate, that's buying the whole thing. And you're taking the risk 
of owning because it may go up or down. The risk is it's all part of what you're doing. So these are guys are really giving us some insight into that. So guys, when we st- when we went away, you said to me, common stocks, real estate, precious metals, collectibles. That's just a few. But the bottom line is it's owning. It's owning. Now, is that really a big, big risk, Scott? I mean, is that something that people, you know, is it something that people need to just weigh in on and understand it's greater risk than being an, a lender? But it is, is it a big, big risk? Well, I think it depends. You know, we, we kind of preach diversification. So, you know, if you're, if you're all in into maybe one company or one specific asset, well, then that's going to be a little more risky than if you take that money. You know, you've always heard the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And let's spread that money out across several companies so the risk of one company going down or going out of business and hurting your long-term performance is a lot less risky. Now, we always say diversification doesn't guarantee your return. It doesn't guarantee against loss, but it is a time-tested principle to reduce overall risk. Well, I think that's something for everybody to understand. When we talk about what is investing, then then we'll get into someday when we go back and talk about these fundamentals. But the reality is diversification, as you very clearly said, it doesn't guarantee it against any type of loss, but it is a part of an overall approach because it is time-tested and knowing how to do that. All right, I got the question. How do you divide, because this is that diversification, Michael, how do you divide your money between the choices that we've talked about, being a lender or being an owner? And what do you think is the thing that really impacts the results? What's the? How does that help? I think one thing that determines how you mix those up is really your time horizon and the objective behind it. Because if I have shorter time horizons and objectives I need to accomplish earlier, I may be more lenient towards lending more money out than owning more things. But if it's a longer-term thing like retirement, for example, I may have a better chance of a higher return by um, owning more assets than I do lend it. So right. there's a blend there that you have I to really go through. I love that idea because you, the time horizon. Give me some examples. of what, You said short term. So I'm assuming zero to two, three years would be short term? I would say even five years would be short term because – you know, history shows that, you know, we're not going to be able to deter, we're not going to be able to, I guess, lean on a good market condition in such a short time horizon. So I would think longer than five years would be a long term. Okay. So is there a moderate time? I mean, I mean, I'm thinking if I got a 10 year old and we got college education funds that says I got eight years is, is would I be able to take more risk with that eight year return length of time or should I, I would say short? so. Say so you yeah, could take more risk. So, so, there's short-term, moderate-term, and then you talked about long-term, long-term. being longer than 10 years? Is yes. That, I'd say 10, 15, 20 years out. Okay. That would be a considerable long-term. Why do people, Scott, in your mind, hesitate when it comes to managing this diversification? Why is this sometimes a bigger concern for some people, that they don't, they don't manage the diversification between being an owner and a lender? Well, I think part of it's lack of understanding of of what to do in those situations. And I think it's, you know, not clearly sitting down and defining the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish. And then what kind of return are you needing to accomplish those goals? So once you start to answer those types of questions, then you can really, you know, sit down and design a portfolio between those two, you know, major assets. You know, how much am I going to invest in ownership? How much am I going to invest in loanership? You know, we said before, the ownership long-term typically has a higher rate of return, ownership a little lower. So 
How do we combine those to put them put together in such a way that I can tolerate the volatility that the portfolio is going to, so I can make sure my investments are going to maintain their, you know, are going to stay investments. I'm not going to get, get freaked out over market or news and sell out and have the best opportunity to hit my long-term goal. All right, guys, here's the thing. We've got just a few minutes, and I want to make sure we cover this. What we're talking about is what investing is and what is it quite simple. Why is it actually kind of simple? Well, the reality is it's loaning, as Scott just talked about, or owning. And the reality is if you loan something, there's less risk that we need to understand or different types of risk than it is with, with owning. Now, the thing about it is, what should you, Scott, Michael, I'm going to ask you, what fundamental of this investing mindset should you never, ever forget? The greater return being offered is the greater risk you're taking. That's a fundamental in it. That's just the best. absolutely. Yes, it is. Because you realize that, you know, if someone's offering something a lot better, I got to know in the back of my mind, there's a catch. There's mm-hmm. something there that I know I have to realize. And I, I think sometimes people misunderstand that. So what you're saying is the reality, if I'm going to take risk, whether those making the offer tell you about this risk, or what you under, whether they give you the insight into that risk, it's, whether it's obvious or not, you need to understand that you need to figure out. Is there risk and what is the risk? Because you need to measure, can you take the risk? Exactly. That's that temperament. That's investor temperament, and you need to have a great understanding of investment temperament. So, Scott, when you're talking to someone quickly, the reality is loan or own, understand the amount of risk. Don't ever forget that the great amount of what you're looking for, the bigger the return, the bigger the risk. How do you ask them to, or how do you share with them to learn to manage their temperament? Well, I think it's planning for for downturns in the market. Plan, you know, we we look at how we have them invested, and we look at the possibilities there. You know, we we're going to think ahead and plan for the downturns and what we're going to do. We're not going to sell out because of a temporary downturn. We're going to keep our investments investments, and you know, it's just coaching people through that because emotions do step into the picture. And you know, and as we always say, emotions are the enemy of any good financial strategy. So it's it's keeping those emotions in check. Sticking to the long-term plan and sticking to those basic investment principles that work over long-term. We've been talking with Scott Jordan and Michael Powell. What investing is and why it's actually quite simple. Loaner or owner, there's risk both ways. You need to understand the risk, and you need to always know that you should never, ever forget that there's a fundamental rule about investing. The greater the return being offered— it's the greater the risk that you're taking. You need to understand your temperament. You need to manage that. That's so critical for anybody because investing is just something that we all do, whether we like it or not. Maybe it's your 401k plan, whatever the investment program is. This has been a program to help you understand. Coming up, when we come back, we're going to be talking about common market questions. So these two guys are going to dive into some other questions, some market questions that you've asked, that you said, okay, well, the question is, will 2008 ever happen again? Well, let's guess what. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice, talk radio for Memphis and the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Scott Jordan and Michael Powell, and this is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The last decade of the 19th century saw a wave of incorporations of towns within Shelby County, such as Madison Heights, Binghampton, and Idlewild. 
Memphis city officials saw this as a major public health issue, the horrific yellow fever epidemic in 1878 still being fresh on their minds. To prevent the recurrence of an epidemic, the city worked hard to improve garbage collection, install modern restrooms, replace wood with gravel and the roadways, and most importantly, build a modern sewer system. These changes were neither fast nor cheap, and many Memphians were very anxious over the thought of smaller towns being near Memphis that could not afford a proper level of sanitation control. After much political wrangling between the city and state legislature, an annexation measure was passed, making these communities part of the city of Memphis. The annexation put to rest the concerns over public health felt by those who had gone through the horror of the yellow fever epidemic 10 years earlier and doubled the size of the city. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Hi, this is George Bryant, General Manager of The Voice FM 107.9 and AM 990 with a special announcement. If you're an expert in your field, if you represent an organization, if you think you can help Memphis become a better place by sharing your life experience on family, environment, health, relationships, government, home improvement, raising pets, whatever your passion is, give me a call. If you've ever wanted to have your own radio show or podcast, now is the time. We have immediate opening, so call me today. You can be the host of your own show, a show that you own. Talk to Memphis on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My number is 901-261-4200, extension 228. That's 261-4200, extension 228. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. We're talking with Scott Jordan and Michael Powell. We're talking about, we've been talking about basically what investing is. Well, we're going to kind of change the subject, turn the page, because here's the second question that you have. Common questions. These are just basic questions. And the first one we're going to talk about that you've asked us is, will 2008 happen again? Now, Scott, that we get this all the get that time. Question all the I time. mean, Absolutely. it is just. It's and by the way, it's a great question because if you were investing in two thousand eight, you felt the pain of a market that was doing nothing like it's supposed to. So, question is, here it is, Scott. What can I say? Will two thousand eight happen again? Well, I think the first thing we have to look at, Jim, is what does that mean when a when a client or anyone asks, will 2008 happen again? Uh, the, did they lose money in the market during that period? Uh, did they become frightened by the news and all the media, which was hard not to do during that time? Uh, or are they you know, are they asking, could the market be down again? And I think the, the answer to that is absolutely yes. Uh, you know, economies and markets go up and down. So whenever they defy logic, either to the positive or the negative, they tend to right themselves. Um since 1854, there have been over 32 down markets. That's about once every five years. Excuse so, me. How long ago? 1854. I wasn't. You, you remember that, that, don't you? Now, Greg was. <laughs> he was there. He was still turning the board in 1854. But you're saying we've got a long history. And how many ups and downs? Well, about once every five years you can expect it. Now, it doesn't happen every five no. years. That's a statistical average. But, uh, you know, that being said, we've been on a long upward trend now. So, 
you know, don't know when it's going to happen, but we can expect that we'll go through some sort of market downturn in the future. I think the important thing is to plan for that. Do you think the question is when they ask, will 2008 happen again? The answer you said, yes, the market will have a correction. We will see the market go down. That's going to be. Are they talking about the recession? Are they talking about the question of Bitcoin? We don't know that because they just simply ask, will 2008 happen again? Do people fear the market going down? Or is it fear of the complete collapse, as we saw basically right. in 2008, of the both the stock market, the lo- the the own market, and the loan market, bond market, both collapsed during that period of time? You think that's what the question is? I think that is what the question is, and that was a severe downturn, and you know it's it's definitely the worst downturn I've seen in my career. Uh, so I think they're asking is, will we see something that severe again? And we don't know. We don't know the future. Will we go through something like that again? We might, but we made it through that one. We'll make it through the next one. All right. That's a great point. Michael, they, it's a two-part question. Will it happen again? And, of course, when will it happen? I wish I could tell you that because we have no idea. <laughs> don't you have idea. your crystal ball with you today? I mean, <laughs> No, it, I didn't bring it in my car today. Uh, gotcha. I, I'll have it next time probably. Yep. But, we, I mean, we really don't know. And if we did know, probably wouldn't tell anybody, and we'd we'd yeah. be on an island somewhere right, later right, on. Right. But in in all reality, we got to keep in mind that things are going to go up and down, and you know they may be worth more or less when than they're originally invested. And past performance is not indicative of future results. It's basically all I'm saying there is that just because we had a 2008 or even good years in the past doesn't mean that futuristically we may experience that same thing. So understanding that, yes, it's the market's going to fluctuate when nobody knows. Now, now let me. this leads to the next question because it's a question that, that I get and a question that a listener sent to us. Do we at Shoemaker Financial time the market? Because they were really asking, will it happen again? When is it going to happen again? And do you guys try to predict when it's going to happen again? That's really what happens, so timing the market. Scott, that's a question that I see I get a lot, and we've been down that historically. Uh, back in the 80s as a firm, we embraced that. We hired some outside consultants that with that and determined that it wasn't suitable for our philosophy nor for our clients. But that's a great question. Do we time the market? No, Jim, I think as a general rule, I try to avoid being a being a forecaster. My basic philosophy is I can't see the future. I have trouble predicting it. So really not trying to time the market. Now, that being said, we do work with a lot of money managers that are out there. They use a lot of sophisticated tools and economic analysis. So they're trying to take advantage and capture more of the upside and less of the downside. So we do have managers working hard to take advantage of some of those situations. But in general... We don't try to time the market. Um, you know, I always say it's time in the market that leads to the most success, not timing the market. So that's our general philosophy. So when you say that, I mean, the answer would be we don't, but maybe our managers might be trying to catch upside or, you know, protect the assets. But, but we're managing the managers. Absolutely. That's a great way to look at it. I appreciate you saying that. Well, then, if that's the question, and here's where we're headed with this, Michael. You've got these people that are great questions. All right, then how should I invest? Number one, if I know you said yes, 2008 is going to happen again, and not the fact that we're trying to define 2008, the market will correct again. When will it happen? We don't know. We don't time the market. So how should I invest my money? That's the question that this person was leading to. 
And I'm going to ask you, Michael, what's the answer to that? You're going to love this answer. Okay, I'm ready. It depends. <laughs> Is that political? You usually hear political that a lot, you know? <laughs> it depends on a number of things. It goes back to the last segment we were talking about the difference between loaning money and owning money. It really depends on the each person. Like, you may be totally different than me on how I should invest my money, but it looks at your goals your time horizon, what your net worth is, and risk tolerance. I think that's the biggest thing is how should I do it based on my risk, working with a financial professional, figuring out what what's an appropriate portfolio for you, and going from there, really, that's a good starting point, I think. So now let me – I mean, you talked about whether it's me or you. I happen to be a baby boomer. You have to be a millennial. We have different thoughts. We have different approaches. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying how do I invest my money – this, that play that plays tremendously into our decision making process because we come from different backgrounds, we're different ages. How do you counsel your clients, Michael, with making the decision when you talk about tolerance of risk and net worth and horizons and all those things? But the client seems to say, "Well, I want to put it all in the stock market." How do you help pers- a person get through the process to understand the overall approach to investing? I try to educate them first off because a lot of these things that we look at with investments, there's so many different things out there that we can invest our money into. And it may be based on your belief system, your philosophies, you know, your passions. And really it's all about education first because I don't, I don't feel comfortable with putting my clients in some things that they might not even understand. So first off, it's education. And then really talking through the different objectives and goals they have and really trying to cater it to that. Well, that I, th- I appreciate. I love the word education. I love the fact that you're talking about helping someone get through the process of understanding investments. We've been talking about what is investing and then the question, will 2008 happen again? When is it going to happen? We don't know. Mm-hmm. The reality is it's going to. How do I invest? Scott, this question, and it's a question I think, if you see something troubling, okay, are you to your clients or Schumacher Financial – are we going to let people know, and then is this recommending that they're going to make changes? Or is, are we going to try to get on the phone and tell everybody what goes on with that mindset? Yeah, we're absolutely going to stay in, in contact with our clients and let it, keep them abreast of what's going on in the economy. You know, Are there any changes that need to be made? But, but let me caution with that because we're not going to change allocation or sell investments based on a temporary downturn in the market or a, a most recent piece of news. That's that's not what I really mean by troubling. So first we have to define troubling, right? What, what, do you, what do you mean by troubling? Because markets go up and markets go down. So we're not going to let a temporary downturn change our allocation, change what we're invested in, unless our goals or time horizons or any of that sort of thing has changed. But, yes, we will reach out to our clients and let them know what's going on. All right. You mentioned the word allocation. Yes. That's the loan amount loan and amount. the own amount. Yes. Stocks, bonds, and cash. That changes. So, I mean, we're talking about Michael, the reality. He's got a different allocation amount. Then you talked about diversification. Those two work hand in hand? Explain they absolutely that. do. So asset allocation, that, that kind of, yeah. like you said, is dividing it between those broad classes. How much we're going to have in cash? How much we're going to have in bonds? How much we're going to have in stocks? Said another way, how much are we going to loan? How much are we going to own? So we try to determine that. But, yes, that does change over time based on time horizons, goal changes. You know, life happens, so so things change. And also your tolerance for risk may change. We saw it in 08 when people lived through that. People who were a lot riskier before all of a sudden 
ah, I can't tolerate as much risk as I thought I could. So maybe maybe that changes our asset allocation. But that's changing the portfolio based on the individual, not based on the media or the market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you just tuned in, we've been talking with Scott Jordan and Michael Powell. Common questions that you ask us about the market. Will 2008 happen again? When will it happen? And do you know? And do you market time? Well, those are questions we hope we've helped you answer, and uh, we've given you the best. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all the things that you do. By sending us the question, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll get those questions on. The question earlier was, what's investing? We hope we've answered that for you today. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Michael Powell and Scott Jordan. You've been listening to, of course, a program that's dedicated to answering your questions about financial planning and financial strategies and how to put it all together with asset allocation and diversification. This is, of course, FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice Talk Radio from Memphis and the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. What? What about our plan to win the lottery and start living? You know, travel the world on matching yachts, wear enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacation on the French Riviera, and then buy it. You know we're never going to win the lottery. Right? When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. As internet technology advances, so does the threat of cybercrime. In times like these, we must protect ourselves from cybercrime. Antivirus software, firewalls, and security patches are just the beginning. Never open suspicious emails and only navigate to trusted sites. Protect your child by installing parental control software and monitoring their computer use. To learn more about cybercrime, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guests, Michael Powell and Scott Jordan, we're talking about common questions that you've asked us about the market. You did. You simply said, will 2008 happen again? Uh, we said, yes. Maybe not all. That Maybe it's not as dramatic. But will, this, will there be a real market downturn? Will there be? Is there volatility in the market? The answer is yes. That means there will be a downturn. In fact, Scott had even said that we're going to see that about one every five years. That's not an exact. But just think about it. The market is volatile. The market moves up and the market moves down. And then when is it going to happen? Well, I appreciated the question that, the, that Michael said. The answer, he doesn't have his crystal ball. So the answer is we don't have an idea. I got it. I understand that. Do we time the market? No, we don't. We talk about asset allocation. We talk about diversification. But, Scott, let me ask you this. If I'm asset allocating, again, that's stocks, bonds, and cash, and it's based on my risk, right? Right. So if I'm thinking about risk and I'm going stocks, bonds, and cash, explain to me a little bit more detail. And then is there any other part that we do just fundamentally? You talked about diversification. Now, is diversification, what is diversification? If I got it, stocks, bonds, and cash, how do I diversify? Diversification is, so, you know, like you said, you've picked that stock and bond mix, but now we've got to go out and invest in different investments uh, in those two arenas. So diversification is, is taking, that, taking our investments and spreading them across different companies, different sectors. You know, there's, there's uh, different countries also. 
So that diversification is spreading that risk across different investments within those categories. So is that meaning, I mean, when I think through that process, when I'm looking at the diversification, I'm trying to to look at the overall portfolio and not, again, I think you said it, put all my eggs in one basket, but but allowing myself to either either be short-term in some things or long-term if it's bonds or emerging markets or AAA, right. you know, top quality, big corporations. So I'm moving my whole portfolio in that process. You help me do that. Am I supposed to be sensitive to how you do that? What questions should I be asking you? Well, I think you need to understand what we're doing so you understand your investments and, and how they're going to react in the markets. Uh, yes, um, you know, we guide three people through that process. You know, we help them decide, okay, you want 80% in stocks. How are we going to spread that out? You know, we're going to put some in growth stocks, which will do well certain times, value stocks. We're going to put those in a lot of different categories. And I think it's important that you understand what's going on in that. You don't have to be an expert at it. But you need to understand how it works so you can stay with the program. So it goes back to what Michael said earlier, education. Education. Pure education, spending the time. If I, as an investor, a person coming to you, and I ask you a question, I should expect to get a clear, simple, understandable question. Absolutely. Answer. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Rebalance. Well, that's another of those tenets of investing, right? We're, we're sticking to those principles, asset allocation, diversification, and rebalance. And that essentially means we've decided – how we want to allocate those assets. Now, some of them are going to do better sometimes than others, so your portfolio is going to get out of balance. So you're going to rebalance it back to the original allocation. Again, we do that to stick with the risk tolerance and time horizon. Bring the portfolio back. Basically, you're selling some of the winners and buying some of the losers to bring that allocation That's back to the original. That's very fundamental, though. That's Absolutely. Very you know, Michael, one of the things that so many people – get caught up in. We've talked about being an emotional investor. Scott, you talked about that, not doing that. But there's that fundamental that's such a problem, and that is whatever my next-door neighbor's doing, I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. He goes, buys a you know a dishwasher. He bought it at so-and-so store. Hey, they're on sale. I'll go do that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bought a you know a, a new car and looks like this. I'll do. We follow the herd. Tell me about it. That's a real problem. Yeah, it's the old phrase of everybody's doing it, Yeah, right? It, peer pressure or even just, you know, Things that you see, like the next door neighbor doing things, but it it definitely pertains to investing a lot because a lot of different topics come out, and the media says all these different things. And if they say it's cool or good to do, then maybe I should do it. But it really doesn't. I don't really think you should think in that regards because it's all about you, the individual, and not what everybody else is doing. Because one thing could fit for you, Jim, but it the, that thing maybe not fit for Scott. So. so that's critical. So don't get caught up in following the herd. Don't let your emotions get out of whack. Make sure that you're diversified. Make sure that you've got a portfolio that looks at allocation. Make sure that you're rebalancing. These are just fundamentals. If we know the market's going to correct, which we do, we don't know when. Nobody does. We know that there's some fundamentals, and you guys have done a very, very good job of covering those fundamentals of how we invest. And I think I appreciate that so much, guys. You know, one of the things that so many people forget, and I so much want to hang our hats on this today, when when Michael says education, it's about helping the client, the person who's doing this, to go through a process, whether they're millennial, as we talked about, Michael, and just starting, mm-hmm. or they're a baby boomer and they got to catch up with retirement or whatever it is. It's about giving the insight of knowing what you're doing and how you're doing it. 
Thanks so much, guys. Michael Powell and Scott Jordan. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Glad to be here, Thank Jim. you. You know, again, I appreciate you being with us today. Thanks again for being a listener, a faithful listener. Thanks for your questions. If you've got a question, go to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Type in your question, and we will get it on the air. Common market questions. That's what we tried to answer today. And what investing is and why is it simple? Questions that we've tried to lay out for you, give you some insight. It's a program that I think you want to come back and listen to at another time. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to the FM 107.9 and AM 990, the voice talk radio for Memphis and the Mid-South. And, of course, I appreciate you being a part of it. Thanks so much for listening. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money.